Hailing frequencies open, and welcome to Star Trek Discoverage, a live podcast that boldly goes into excruciating detail about this week's episode of Star Trek Discovery. I'm your host, Caliban, and I, for one, welcome our new overlady, the slayer of Sorna Prime, the witch of Warna Minor, Captain Sylvia Killy, long live the Empire. I'm joined on the show, as usual, by Ella Pearson. She's the co-host of the Generations Geek podcast on the Chronic Drift Network, which is at chronicdrift.com. Welcome back, Ella. Hey! How are you doing? So I'm I'm a little under the weather, um, but I am so happy that Star Trek is back. <laughs> yeah. How did you spend your break? Um, I was sick for the first third, and then I was <laughs> fine, and now apparently I'm sick for the final third. <laughs> okay, just get it but, back in. But um, other than that, it's been great. A lot of Netflix. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, of course, that's the way to go. Uh, are you ready to go? Are you ready to join the Tilly Empire? Absolutely, Captain Killy, all the way. <laughs> All right, great. Uh, also joining me on the show tonight is Andrew Troth. Andrew is the owner of Mind's Eye Comics in Egan, Minnesota. He's also an actor and director in the Twin Cities theater scene. Andrew, welcome to the show. Thanks. It's great to be here. Thanks for joining us. Uh, I always want to know, and I always ask, how did you become a Star Trek fan? When did you first find out about Star Trek? Uh, actually, um, I, I was born in the early 70s when Star Trek was in late night reruns. And my mother started watching it when she had to stay up with me late at night as an infant uh, because if she put me down, I stopped breathing. So it, the original Star Trek saved my life in a way. Uh, oh and uh, so my, my family was always uh, full of Star Trek fans from my earliest childhood. Sure. <laughs> uh, you owe your life to Star Trek. Uh, pretty much. That's amazing. And um, modern medicine. <laughs> yeah, and that as well. Yes. <laughs> Thank God for that. Uh, on my other Star Trek show, Enterprising Individuals, I always ask guests who their favorite captain is. I believe your favorite captain is Mal Reynolds, but if you had to pick a favorite Star Trek captain, who would it be? Oh, I go back and forth on this so often. I really like Cisco, though. I I just always really felt like uh, he was a guy with a great moral compass and... Um, Someone I I really enjoyed watching. Yeah, yeah, I, I agree. Um, and he's uh, he's also a guy who we've talked about this on the other show that he's he's got a lot of facets to him, and he doesn't have to just be uh, the same guy, you know, every week from week to week. He develops and he ends up in a really different place at the end of the show than he was at the beginning of the show, which is really neat. Uh huh. And and a really sly sense of humor too. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, I like that um, in, a, in a captain. Uh, Star Trek has a storied history in comics that I'm sure that you know about. Um, they've been and the license for Star Trek has been all over the map. Uh, you know, it was at Marvel mm -hmm. and it went to DC and Malibu and uh, like IDW, I think, is where it is now. Um, have you ever read yeah. any the Star Trek comics or enjoyed those? I have read a lot of them. Yeah, um, the uh, I, I was reading pretty much all of DC's output. Uh, when they had the license, yeah, and uh, I read some of the Malibu stuff when it met, but went back to Marvel. I really liked a couple of the series they did that didn't last very long, <laughs> uh, like the Starfleet Academy series that they had uh, sure. was quite good, and there was an, another one that I I forget now, um, and I, I I haven't read one uh, in a while, but I did just read the first issue of the. Uh, Star Trek Discovery miniseries that IDW put out. Okay. Uh, it's background story on Takuma and yeah. uh, is off to a pretty good start, I think. That's awesome. Uh, what's your opinion of Discovery so far? 
I love it. Yeah. I really love it. I have been uh, at absolutely on board for the whole ride so far. Yeah. How do you think it compares to the other series? Or can it compare? Um, you know, it, it really is its own thing. Yeah. Which is one of the things I love about it. Um, but I, I, for all that I've always loved Star Trek, uh, my favorite sci-fi series of all time is Babylon 5. Okay. Uh, and what I love, uh, what I have always loved about that is the strength of its narrative arc. And so I am really happy to see now a, a Star Trek series that I think has been crafted with that same sense of active storytelling uh, in mind. Yeah, right. Um, one, one of the things that I've always been, you know, less thrilled about with the Star Trek series is the sense that we are always going back to the status quo. Yeah. Uh, that, you know, th- there's a sense of stasis, like this is our setup and we're going to have a, an adventure that seems to change everything. But then we hit the cosmic reset button at the end of the episode and everything goes back to normal. Yeah. Uh, and this series is wasting no time and it's not standing still. And no. I, I just found that thrilling the whole way around, uh, the whole way along so far. Yeah, absolutely. Um, and I think, you know, of course, we have streaming TV, I think, to thank for a lot of that, because it's not like, you know, you're relying on your uh, watchers to just see it on syndication or late night or something like that. People sit down and they intend to watch a couple in a row or they're going to be there every week. Um, and also, I think that translates to what happens on screen as well, because, uh, you know, the events of this episode, which we'll get into in a second, uh, something happens to the characters that they figure out over the course of the teaser and the credits and they oh, instantly they know what's going on. Whereas it would have taken Kirk and company a couple different act breaks, like 30 minutes for them to go, oh, wait a minute, I think this is what's going on. So there's like this right. accelerated storytelling. Which is, you know, what the modern audience expects. I want to mention before we get rolling today that today, January uh, 7th, is Gene Kuhn's birthday. Uh, Gene Kuhn is somewhat responsible for what we're talking about as he created the Klingons for the original series episode, Heir of Mercy. In addition to writing and contributing to many other original series episodes as producer and head writer for the show. So, happy birthday to Gene. And um, I'm not sore about Spock's brain. I love Spock's brain. <laughs> I think it's a great episode. It's a fine episode. Uh, we've just watched the episode uh, of Despite Yourself for Star Trek Discovery. It's the 10th episode. We're here to break it down for you. As always, we are setting a course for the spoiler zone, listeners, so be warned. We're glad you've decided to join us. But if you haven't seen the episode, stop, watch it, and then come back because spoilers are incoming. The official synopsis for the episode this week is, while in, fam- while in unfamiliar excuse me, territory, the USS Discovery crew is forced to get creative in their next efforts to survive opposing and unprecedented forces and return home. Which is accurate, but you know, is necessarily vague, because they don't want to give too much away here. Uh, it's written by S- uh, Sean Cochran, a staff writer for the series. Cochran, that's a good Star Trek name. And it's directed by a name <laughs> that should be familiar to Trek fans, Jonathan Frakes, who of course played... Uh, Commander William Riker on The Next Generation. Uh, Frakes is a dynamic director, so I was looking forward to seeing what he did with the show. And I think he directed a fairly dynamic episode. Um, What do you guys think, Andrew? Yeah, I think so, too. Uh, Things really kept moving. And, um, you know, I I think, I I don't know, I'm not that great a uh, a directing critic, but (laughs) I can tell you that I enjoyed the episode immensely. What about you, Ella? Um, I enjoyed it. I really felt it felt like two episodes in one to me. Yeah. Um, when they started like replicating like uniforms and badges. Right. I was like surprised that they were going that far in this one episode. 
Um, I don't know. There are parts of it that I was a little frustrated with, and there are parts of it that I loved, like Captain Killy. Yeah. Um, <laughs> yeah, I don't know. I can't remember any... What other episodes has Jonathan Frakes directed? I know he's directed more, but... Uh, yeah, he's done a lot for uh, TNG, and I believe he yeah. did some for the other uh, Trek series, but nothing comes to mind. Uh, it's also an episode that has to lay a lot of ground because it's an episode, like you said, it's sort of um, it's two different episodes. We have to yeah. follow up from where we were, but also in this serialized storytelling vein that we've been talking about, we have to lay the ground for some things that aren't going to pay off in this hour, but will pay off probably in the future. Um the show uh, is now, of course, back from its holiday hiatus, and it's back for Chapter 2, uh, which is not just an affectation. That's specifically what CBS is calling it. It's actually like the first time that um, in a Trek series, besides just you know breaking in between seasons, that a Star Trek show has purposefully had um, a caesura or, or like a narrative break. Um, and in this episode, uh, Captain Lorca and the crew of the Discovery, um, they are coming off their success in destroying the sarcophagus ship and all but winning the war for the Federation. Uh, Michael Burnham has managed to find a, a measure of solace in avenging the death of her mentor, Captain Georgiou. She's found love with Ash Tyler. Uh, things are even looking up for Stamets, who had achieved personal peace uh, in his study of the science of the mycelial network. But of course, like any good uh, Star Trek show, everything is both great and terrible simultaneously. It's the best <laughs> of times and the worst of times to use uh, the kind of uh, alliteration that Star Trek likes. Um, the captured Laurel seems to hold some strange influence over Lieutenant Tyler that we get more information about in the episode. Uh, the ship has jumped to parts or universes unknown. And it puts me in the mind of Burnham's favorite childhood book, Alice in Wonderland, because the, the crew was totally down the rabbit hole here. Definitely. Every episode, we like to talk about theories and things like that. Uh, I know Ella likes to talk about theories. And uh, <laughs> we might have to find some new theories because uh, we pretty much can throw out a bunch of our theories or at least just mark, you know, stamp them complete. Listen, I'm just. <laughs> <laughs> I am furious that the writer's room got me to trust ash it's like i'm so i was so suspicious of him for so long and i was not having it and then i was like okay he's so nice to burn him i kind of love him and then in this episode i was watching it and i was like i'm so mad i feel like something's gonna happen to him i can't believe i care about him this much and then <laughs> he completely betrays my trust right but it's not necessarily – I still think that there is a war you know, going on there. Sure, he passed his Manchurian test, and it's like, okay, all right, writers, we get it. Thank you. <laughs> yeah. uh, but like we were talking about before, that sort of modern storytelling – you know, we everybody figured this out. <laughs> like we all figured this out early, and instead of having this obsession with like uh, not not spoilers, but like having some kind of twist, you know, that you have to guess or not guess, the show just kind of keeps plugging forward. And I think they're going to tell a more complicated story about like, you know, whether this guy. It's like um, I keep another J.J. Abrams thing. Like regarding Henry, you know, mean guy gets bonked in the head. Now he's different. Is he still that mean guy, or is he this new guy? And I think that we're going to see a war between, uh, you know, what uh, Vok originally, you know, wanted to be or who he was and who this Tyler person is, um, wherever they got this. I mean, there was an original Tyler. We know that. So we don't know if this is his imprinting of a personality or, or what exactly is going on here. What What is go Andrew, what do you think is going on here? Well, I I don't know what's going on here. And I love that because <laughs> uh, I, I read the theory very early on in the, in the series, in the season. Um, 
from a, a post online. And uh, and what I love about this episode is it shows us, yeah, we know you copped on to our theory, but there's more to it than that. Sure. Right. Yeah. yeah. It's not just uh, Vogue posing as Tyler. There's something much more complex going on. And Laurel doesn't know what's going on when she thought she did. And yeah. Tyler doesn't know what's going on. And Culver didn't know what was going on. Nobody actually knows what's going on. Tyler's <laughs> betraying his own trust of himself as much as anybody else's. Yeah. Uh, and I, I love uh, that they're still finding ways to surprise us within what people already guessed about the storyline. Yeah, and you have to, you know, for all the nefarious plans that they may have had, and at this point I'm not even sure what the plan was supposed to be, but they couldn't have planned that they'd be in the situation in a parallel universe and Laurel captured and in the brig. Um, that's worked right. out. It's just convenient you know, for, for storytelling's sake. Um, but we'll have to see, um, you know, how that develops. And as far as, like, Tyler and Laurel, or I guess Vulcan Terrell, you know, they love each other, they hate each other. Everybody knows a couple like that. Uh, and so we'll have to see um, how this goes forward. Do you guys see um, Laurel sort of getting out of the brig, like becoming part of the crew or having to help out to you know, get them out of the situation they're in? I hope not. <laughs> <laughs> she hasn't done anything I mean, bad. She was, she was out of her cell, right? right yeah. Like, he unlocked Which, the door. By the way, where where are the like alarms? Where are the like a cell is open? A light alarms. should come on somewhere. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, I, I'll I'll agree. That's a that's a weakness there. And did she end up back in it, or is she still on the loose somewhere? See, that wasn't clear. And no, I... he 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 closed it. He, he, closed, he closed it. Yeah. Okay. okay. All right. Because she didn't even like walk out of it. She sort of took a step out of it. And then when they were having that weird, like, second interaction, he, like, pushed her back and then hit the button before he left. Okay. All right. That's right. Okay. Yeah, I put that on Frakes. That wasn't clear to me. <laughs> or maybe I just uh, <laughs> I looked down at my notes uh, when all that happened. Um, yeah, so we find ourselves, uh, well, it looks like in the Mirror Universe, uh, the return of the Mirror Universe and the Terran Empire as seen in other Star Trek shows, uh, most notably in TOS and also a lot on Enterprise. And we get a very spe uh, specific shout out to um, an element from Enterprise, which is uh, the Defiant. Um, there's a whole storyline here uh, around the Defiant. And of course, if you guys know Enterprise, you know that the like Mirror crew... Um, and our crew uh, had to interact with the Defiant um, over an Enterprise. So does this finally put, speaking of theories, can we finally kill the theory that Star Trek Discovery does not take place in the quote-unquote prime universe? Yes. It was never, like, <laughs> it was never an option, right? Like, Yeah, right. Yeah. I mean, at, at, after the Vok thing, I have to kind of, at least give a tiny grain of salt to almost every crazy theory I hear, which is very dangerous on the internet. But because <laughs> but, I thought, like, that's nuts. And then you look into it and it's like, oh, that's clearly what it is. And I think, I'm not sure it's the prevailing theory, but a strong one that I've heard is that maybe this is the mirror universe and they'll finally, you know, come to our universe. But I thought that that just doesn't make really, that doesn't make sense in terms of the kind of story you want to tell. Sure, there's elements that we don't recognize from earlier continuity, but... They keep, you know, they keep saying that they're going to make it work. Whenever you hear interviews of the writers or producers, they keep saying continuity, continuity, continuity. It's all going to make sense. It's all going to work. And yeah, I mean, now we're taking a little trip into the mirror universe that from a continuity perspective, that even gives them latitude to do a bunch of crazy things uh, that won't affect regular continuity. And I'm kind of wondering 
if because we've already seen what is it cooper the the guy who died in the um in the pilot return yeah connor 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 Connor. um cooper was the other ship yeah, right. Yeah, okay. That's what, that's what I was thinking. Uh, I, I'm even wondering if we'll see other... Uh, I'm thinking all deaths are off at this point, because we could even see Mirror Universe characters sort of cross over to our side. Like, I had an eye out for Landry, who I'm. You know, we won't see it unless we see um, the alternate uh, Discovery, probably. But characters who we lost early on and thought, oh boy, that was a short run, could possibly return in the Mirror Universe. Giorgio? Mm-hmm. <laughs> uh, Giorgio. Oh, ooh, there you go. Mirror Giorgio. That would be interesting. Maybe she'd be a bad guy. That's kind of, I was kind of expecting, um, I mean, obviously they, they didn't say that she would like, Connor was the captain, but when Burnham went over to the discovery, I was kind of like, is Giorgio going to be on the bridge? Is there going to be, because imagine how hard it would be for Burnham to keep her like Terran empire poker face. Yeah. Right. Although she does a pretty good job. in Giorgio. Yeah. 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 That's true. Uh, she does a really great job in this episode. I like how uh, the and like you mentioned, Ella, it's it happens really fast. It's hard to imagine uh, Kirk and company um, being able to just like sew up a bunch of um, Judge Dredd uniforms like the Mirror Universe people have. But I like how quickly uh, the Discovery crew gets into it, and now they're they're kind of cosplaying. They're cosplaying as Mirror Universe people, <laughs> and they get all the little bits and everything, and they've got the uniforms on. And of course, uh, we are gifted um, the best Christmas, late Christmas present of all in this episode, which is Captain Tilly, (laughs) (laughs) which is a huge payoff. That was so just that first moment where they're like, this is the captain and her like picture popped up was (laughs) like the best, like, I can't even I don't even know what to say about it. Just that initial moment for me was insane. (laughs) It's a great payoff, and it's uh, to them mentioning that, you know, she wants to be captain and seeing that sort of realized. And I also like the scene uh, early on when she has to talk to the guys. It's kind of it's a scene reminiscent of like the scene in Star Trek six where they've got to fool the Klingons on the other side of the radio. And she's like, just what what the heck? Hold your horses for a second. <laughs> what do you want? Well, and one of the things that the mirror universe has always been great for, at, at least I haven't seen the Enterprise episodes that dealt with it, but uh one of the reasons to have a mirror universe really is to examine character because it puts you in those situations where uh, characters are having to decide who am I really and how far am I willing to go to uh, to work on on a different, completely different playing field yeah. than what I'm used to. Yeah. Uh, and it sounds like from the teaser for next episode, that is really going to be the, the crux of uh, of the story here. Yeah, it's from a story perspective, it's kind of like having, you know, a ready-made foil for your character. So you can instantly see, oh, that's what would have happened if I had taken a different path or that's what happens if I let things that I'm struggling with kind of run wild. Um, Do you think that the – and this is just speculation, but that's what we're here for. Do you think that the Mirror Universe Discovery has traded places with our Discovery and is finding themselves surprised in our universe? That's what they well, were kind of implying, right? They did seem yeah, to they, imply. they they seem to have reached that, that conclusion themselves, and that immediately immediately made me worry about what the, what the hell the mirror universe discovery is doing in the regular discovery <laughs> universe. Right. Oh my God! What are they? How much have they destroyed so far? Yeah. Bad so news. I don't know. Nobody on the ship seemed to to wonder about that, but uh, that's what I would be thinking. 
I mean, the real question is, does the Mirror Universe Discovery have a spore drive? Mm, right? That's like, true. That's true as well. I've always wondered um, in these shows, especially Star Trek, when you've got a Mirror Universe where there's a moral inversion and everything is different, but yet, you know, Kirk and Spock are still on the Enterprise, like just from a quantum many worlds theory. How does that work? And they kind of... Um, kind of hand wave that in a I think a good discussion a fun scene or a nice scene between um between Burnham and Lorca where they're talking about oh it's this it must be destiny uh aka we have to have all these characters on the ship that's who's on the show those are the actors that we have um <laughs> and those are the people that you want to see but yeah um I don't know it would be interesting to think that they have like their own sort of mirror uh, stamets as well and yeah, boy, that hopefully they'll explore something like that, or maybe they'll go a totally different way. I was surprised that Mir Burnham was on the Discovery, though, because what does that imply for like? Was she raised on Vulcan? Then did she, how did she get into the Terran Empire? Was she raised on Earth? Like, I was I, really surprised they went that direction because I was like, how does her character even work in this universe? Then if the Vulcans are fighting the humans. Yeah. And I that's well, that's what I'm talking about. That's that's exactly <laughs> the, the problem. Um did they mention what happened to uh Captain Giorgio? No. Okay. Not that I recall, no. Yeah. So maybe she'll find out that um Mira Burnham killed Giorgio or something like that. Oh my gosh. Bad news. <laughs> Although um, like on purpose, you mean. Right, yeah, not right. Well, yeah. <laughs> Ooh. Uh phaser shots fired. Um yeah. This uh, episode, I, I would forgive everything that happened uh, in this episode because it gave us um, Lorca doing his best Scotty, which... Oh, my God. I can't... There, it's one of those things where there is absolutely no reason why that happens except as just a shout to the fans, but I'll take it. <laughs> it was very... It was funny. Absolutely. That was great. Uh, I, I think, you know, there's a certain contingent of viewers that are going to be very happy with that final shot of Lorca in a torture chamber, too. Yeah, the agonizers <laughs> are in this, which I, I love, um, although they're not quite the same uh, without uh, Chekhov's scream to go with them. Uh, nobody, can, <laughs> nobody can scream like Walter Koenig. Mm. Um, I'm also wondering if everything is different in the Mirror Universe, is the slow clap really good or extra bad in the mirror universe <laughs> i was so confused by that like is it really sarcastic or is it like the highest form of praise it just went on for so like long before <laughs> yes. it turned into like a normal form of just like applause and i was like is this just how they clap in the terran empire <laughs> just they... slowly and weirdly for like 45 seconds after you murder someone they love a good dramatic gesture in the terran empire so i'm sure that that is all in kind. Um, so let's talk about some of the effects on our uh, crew and our show, or excuse me, our ship uh, in the Mirror Universe. Um, normally at the end of the show, we talk about who we think is going to go to the big holodeck in the sky, but we've got a couple entries uh, in this episode. And Ella, do you want to talk about um, our favorite doctor? Yeah, thank you for <laughs> passing that to me. Um, I'm to pretty mad. <laughs> Are you not um, going to vote this as your favorite episode as we do every week? No. <laughs> <laughs> okay. Um, I'm so surprised. I mean, does that... You said that there's the potential for mirror universe characters to merge into ours. Um, yeah. That's what I 
think must be happening after that death scene because it was too, I mean, it was too fast. It was like nothing. They didn't give him anything. We got like one second that was mainly of Ash just being like conflicted. And it's like, you should be conflicted. You're a piece of space garbage. (laughs) Get off my ship. Um. Yes, I have to wonder. Uh, it's never. It's never good to get your neck broken. But uh, if you're going to get it broken in a Starfleet sick bay, it's probably the best place to have it happen. You know what I mean? Like he might not be totally dead. That's what I hope. I'm hoping. I'm also just. I'm just a little salty because I was like so excited to have a gay couple on Star Trek, and then um, he gets murdered. <laughs> yeah. So... That, yeah. That's kind of pulling the rug out. I think it's just a TV thing. It's it, it's like when she kills uh, the uh, the other. I already forgot his name, Connor, before, and she stabs him in the chest, yeah. or like in the stomach. It's a TV thing. It's like, oh, I've been stabbed. That guy's not necessarily dead. Now, in the mirror universe, and you know he's lost this fight, so they're going to throw him out the airlock, and whether he's dead or not, he'll be dead. But that happening, and then you know everybody knows that when you when you turn your head to the side real fast. Uh, you're dead because your neck's broken <laughs> on TV. So uh, chiropractors are just assassins on TV uh, when they adjust you. Um, but I, like you said, though, they've invested so much in you know the groundbreaking couple of of Stamets yeah. and uh, Culber that I can't imagine this is the end of the story. Andy, what do you I think? I really want to trust them on this. Yeah. Yeah. I don't know. I'm just, I'm afraid. <laughs> I don't know. We do get a, a shot in the teaser for next week of uh, Stamets cradling... Culver's body um and uh, he could have survived or maybe we will get to import the the mirror universe Culver who knows um I would love to see the actor continue on the series because I've always liked uh Wilson Cruz ever since my so-called life right but um yeah I don't know It, it was certainly a shocking moment uh that really uh I think contributed strongly to Tyler's story yeah, uh, and sets up, you know, heartbreak for, for Stamets as well. So from a story standpoint, I kind of like it, but I hated seeing it happen. Yeah. And it's another thing where you feel up to this point. I personally, I feel a lot of uh, sympathy for Tyler, no matter what this is, he's going through, he's still somebody who is clearly suffering through something and the show has received a lot of praise um, for depicting, you know, a, a male survivor of uh, PTSD and sexual assault, which we don't usually get. Um, what the true nature of his character is <laughs> throws that into a question a little. But yeah, having <laughs> him, uh, no matter what's going on, having him flip out and go Manchurian candidate and break a favorite character's neck um, makes the rest of the scenes with him in the show a little hard to to kind of keep watching. <laughs> and then he starts snuggling yeah, up. Yeah, that with... scene where he was talking to Burnham was yeah. so creepy. yeah. Absolutely. Especially after she had to kill Connor and he seemed like he was like, oh, we're on the same page. It's like, uh-huh. oh, we're killing people. Great. Yeah, right. Yeah. Like, I'm here to protect you. Everybody else is in trouble, but yeah. you're fine. Yeah. What also, you... was it you or a guest? I remember being on the air and somebody saying, what happens next for Stamets? It's the death of his partner. Or was it the other way around? Somebody said that one of them was going to die. Yeah. And I was like, I hope not. <laughs> well, um, that person gets a cookie, a fortune cookie, because <laughs> they were right. <laughs> what do you think? What do you think the um, the palace uh, that Stamets is referring to um, refers to? Oof! Don't stay that out of the palace. Really good question. 
I don't know. I mean, we're, we're pretty sure what he means by the enemy is here. Yeah, um, <laughs> I think we've got that. <laughs> so, but the, the palace is less clear to me. Yeah, I mean, um, it is an empire. I thought maybe it was at the end of the episode. I was thinking maybe it was like literal. Like, who is the emperor? Does he live oh. in like a space palace? Uh, <laughs> well, I think that we should talk about that. Who is who the emperor? Um, <laughs> we've definitely got a potential to. I'm trying to think of who we haven't seen the mirror version of yet. Do you guys think that the emperor will be somebody that we already know? Maybe it's Giorgio. Oh, oh my God. that would be. F- oh, wow. All right. You got it. Andrew, you did it. <laughs> Show over. <laughs> yep. Goodbye, everybody. Uh, that would be great. Um, we have to get Rain Wilson back on here somehow. That's true. <laughs> I think people would flip. Out. I mean, long term fans would flip out if they found that Harry Mudd was the emperor all this I time would, in the Terran Empire. Oh, yes. That would be fantastic. I don't think that would work out. Yeah. <laughs> Uh, I enjoyed seeing uh, some of the classic uh, elements of the Mirror Universe uh, in this episode, uh, like the Agonizers, and um, I was hoping to see like a, a Tantalus device, but maybe that's uh, coming up later. And there's a lot of – I've always uh, – something that I think that I brush over um, when thinking about this show is the production elements in that this is a really good-looking show, and it's clear that they want to – take what we know and love about the universe and expand it. And so we get things like, like we got to see a worker bee in this episode, which is something that um, is, you know, we know exists in the universe, but uh, we don't get to see a lot. And I've had my own opinion um, about the sort of updated interface of the computers and the equipment on discovery as compared to Captain Kirk having to hit that white button to talk into the wall to the guys upstairs <laughs> all the time. But this this is the episode that I think I really got in line um, when he takes the worker bee out and he's using like the laser to retrieve the data core and all that. And you've got that cool sort of 3D, you know, ele- uh, UI element where it's around his arm and he's moving it around and manipulating it. Like I I think I, I came on board, so to speak, at that point. Um, Andrew, what do you think about sort of the updated look of the series? I love it. I, I I think that uh even though it creates, you know, compatibility issues with the look and feel of the original series, I see no reason why today's TV producers shouldn't be making the most of the effects technology that we have available now. Make it look as cool as it can look. That's my opinion. Absolutely. What about the uh the updated look of the Klingons? I still have questions about that. I don't know why we have only hairless Klingons now. Um, <laughs> right. And uh, yeah, it just the the uh, the makeup appliances they, they've created are so much more extensive than than just the uh, forehead ridges and such that were added before. Um, and I don't know. They may have done that to to make it less obvious uh you know, when we see those actors without the appliances on, oh. like particularly for uh, for Shazad Latif. Uh, okay. But it seems like it, it definitely creates questions about how are these Klingons related to the Klingons we've seen before? OK, so it's all built around a lie is what you're saying. <laughs> uh, I never thought of it that way, but that makes a lot of sense because, yeah, if you just stick, uh, you know, a, a forehead on Shazad Latif, we're going to know it's Clint Fandango. Like that's not we're not hiding anything there. <laughs> so, OK, interesting. I, I do like the fact that 
And I think part of it is when you hire a bunch of very talented people to create a TV show, they're not going to be comfortable just going, oh, what did they do on that other show? Okay, we'll have them, you know, FedEx the heads to us or whatever, and we'll do that. And they've, <laughs> right. and they've tried to deepen the, um, the, the sort of design elements because they talk about um, the different, like Klingons have sensory organs or like sensory, you know, apertures or whatever that we don't know about that are part of their ridges. And it seems like they're trying to, and yeah, it's complicated when this is a prequel to everything that we know. Um, but I, I do respect the fact that they want to put their, their stamp, you know, their imprimatur on it. And so far, yeah, everything looks really great. Uh, here's somebody that looks great in the teaser for the next episode. We see evil Sarek mirror Sarek. He's got a beard. He's got the beard. He's got a goatee. <laughs> In every mirror universe, there's one type of facial hair, it looks like. And uh, yeah, he'll return. Uh, do you think that uh, Mirror Sarek is going to be like Mirror Spock in that he is someone whose logic and nobility transcends the moral inversion of the mirror universe? Anyone. <laughs> Well, it's interesting that I mean, we we had it explicitly stated that the Vulcans are part of the opposition to the Empire. That's right. Um, whereas the Mirror Universe Spock was on the Mirror Universe Enterprise in uh, you know the original Mirror Mirror episode. Mm. Uh, so I'm wondering how that sorts out. But um, and and this also um, echoes back to. The episode with Sarek where he was nearly killed by an actual Vulcan rebel in the non-mirror universe. Yeah. Um, so I'm wondering if the Vulcan's participation in the uh, rebellion here is is like that logic faction um, winning out and whether Sarek would be part of that in this universe. I think that would be really great to see because that was something that was dropped in rather fast and we don't really get any development on it the idea of the logic extremists and so yeah i mean if that was sort of planting a seed for something that's going to grow uh, in this sort of half of the show i think that would be a really a really neat aspect ella what about you you thumbs up or thumbs down on mirror Sarek? um we've had some pretty intense moments with Sarek already this season i <laughs> yeah. feel like you know right good and... Sarek's bad enough yeah, that's exactly <laughs> what I was thinking. I'm just kind of wondering, like, because Sarek in this show is, like, already to the point where he's, like, no offense, but I would literally rather die than talk to you about your childhood. <laughs> and so I'm just wondering, like, what Mir Sarek is going to say to Burnham. And like I said before, I don't really understand how Burnham's character could have been... um could have grown up on Vulcan and then also joined the Terran Empire. I mean, she could have, like, left. She could have fought with Sarek or whatever. But I'm just... its I think it's going to be really interesting. Um, I wonder if me or Sarek will be, like, a little a little bit more open. <laughs> <laughs> he might be a really chill dude. We don't Sarek know. as we know it. Um, <laughs> yeah, or he might be I'm... an emotional basket case. Who knows? <laughs> <laughs> right, exactly. Yeah. <laughs> I'm, I'm interested. I'm, like, thumb... Thumb up, I think. Tentative thumbs up. Uh, well, great. I uh, I also give my thumbs up tentatively. Something that I like about the introduction of this is that we'll get to hang around for a little while in the mirror universe. And I think it's something that is cool when it's used sparingly. 
Um, of course, it seems like we're going to be here for a little while. But I like the fact that it isn't just a fun thing that we go off and do for one or two episodes. Um, we're we're going to have to be here for a while. And we're like we've mentioned on this show, possibly see other versions of ourselves. It seems like everybody on Discovery has a real none of nobody seems to know who they are and they're really divided and, and they don't seem to know themselves very well and so we'll definitely get uh some good interactions hopefully with seeing other versions of themselves and speaking of other versions of people uh, i want to put out something that is in quite my theory um but it's something i want to discuss which is the idea that Lorca, the Lorca we know is not our Lorca. that he is a mirror universe person who has somehow made it to our world uh, to our universe and is manipulating events there. Uh, we find out when they get to the mirror universe that their Lorca has disappeared, which I think is awfully convenient. And then we've got a guy in our world who has a ship that can traverse universes and needs about, mm, say, 133 jumps to complete a map in order to get him to another place and gets exactly what he wants. And now he's back in the mirror universe. What do you think about that? Uh um, <laughs> New I'm theory. not ready for another <laughs> um, theory of this magnitude. I'm not even recovered from Ash, honestly. <laughs> I, my, you just blew my mind. <laughs> All right. Well, we'll, we'll... I, I, oh, go ahead. I think that fits squarely with uh, with the the idea that even as we get to know these characters, we don't know if we can trust any of them. Yeah, which is also something that I love about this series so far. Um, they all surprise us uh, sometimes with their duplicity. Yeah, absolutely, and they're going to be able to put that to good use uh, as they masquerade in the mirror universe. Uh, let's do that thing now where we check our threat ganglia. Uh, who do you think is going to go to that big holodeck in the sky? The show has shown a propensity for killing off people <laughs> left and right. As we know, no one is precious. Who do you think might buy it uh, sometime soon? Well, I was going to say Culver until he died in this episode. <laughs> okay. so... <laughs> a little late, but yeah, still still accurate. <laughs> Ella? I have, I have no idea. I mean, <laughs> after Culver, like, would they kill somebody so soon? Like, probably. <laughs> Maybe so. But... I have no idea who it would be unless it's Ash, but I think we have some storyline left with him. Maybe it'll be Lorca. I'm worried about Saru. He wasn't in this episode at all. Yeah, yeah, he, he, he was. We saw his threat ganglia and everything. Yeah, there was that. He had that one moment where he was like spooked by Ash, but like they're now they're in this mirror, like xenophobic mirror universe, and he's just like hiding on the ship. I don't know. <laughs> yeah, he's definitely not on the mirror discovery. That's for sure. Although yeah. I want to see. Do you think Mirror Saru will be uh, part of the uh, the rebels? <gasps> oh my gosh! I hope so. He's got um, maybe he's got uh, a goatee made of threat ganglia. Oh my god! <laughs> uh, now their that we're... strength comes from their fear, so they don't. Right. Always... <laughs> right. Uh, now that we uh, have talked about this first episode in the second chapter, uh, I was curious to know what you guys think might come out of a second season. Ella, I know that we've talked about this previously. So, Andrew, if this uh, sort of storyline wraps up, where do you think uh, Discovery can go if they continue with the Discovery into a second season? Well, I my theory so far has been that this first season is about building 
uh, Burnham's humanity. Okay. Um, and I think if I'm at all right about that, then the second season probably places her in a position of more authority as a captain or, or, a, or a second in command again sure. or something like that. And, um, yeah, I, I would guess that it starts out at that point with her assuming uh, a more authoritative role. Okay. Um, Ella, I know that you read a lot of the tie-in fiction. Um, has that given you any insights into where this uh, story could go? Seeing where it's been. Uh, the only tie in fiction I've read up to this point, I actually I haven't read the first comic book, so I don't have that in my head. Um, I've only read the only book that's out is um, the prequel. Right. So I, I've got no idea, but it's interesting that you would say that, Andrew, because the reason why I said, like, maybe Lorca's in danger is because I was thinking about Burnham and I was like, where can the series go from here? And it's like, if Lorca dies, and I know Saru is like the first officer, but if Lorca dies, like I think that she would be in the running to be to have like a higher rank. Or to like possibly be a captain, like like more soon than you would think, I think, for somebody who was like literally just in prison like six right. months ago. Yeah, that seems a little strange. But then of course, you know, in the uh JJ Abrams feature film, Kirk goes from cadet to like captain in like a weekend. You're right. <laughs> so You're there's, right. There's precedent. <laughs> uh, so you haven't read uh, Dayton Ward's book yet. You don't get, didn't get like a galley copy of that or something. Is it? It's not. Is it out? No, but I'm just saying. You know, like you've got connections. Oh, oh, you. <laughs> You think that I I got a copy under the table? That's what you're asking. <laughs> well, I'm just saying you should be able to. <laughs> um, I. I I didn't even try. I, you know, when um, Culber died, the first thing I did was look at my dad and he's still just sitting there with this just old, poker face. Old stone face. Yeah. And just right. infuriating straight face. Like, yep, that happened. But like nothing else. OK. So I have, I have nothing. Right. It's good to know that this is the show that your dad just laughs at every week. <laughs> as we speculate on all this stuff well as th this show goes uh, that's it for this week so thanks for joining us listeners uh, if you like what you hear you can follow us on Facebook and Twitter at EIST pod for updates and to get notified when new episodes of both enterprising individuals and discoverage are released and you can tweet to us on the show by using the hashtag discoverage or you can email us at EISTpod at gmail.com uh, you can join us next Sunday night on January 14th for our next episode of Discoverage. We will be talking about the 11th episode of Star Trek Discovery, The Wolf Inside, which has a particularly fairy tale sound to it. I'm guessing uh, referring to them being like in sheep's clothing or maybe sheep and wolves clothing because they're wearing the uh, the Judge Dredd outfits. I don't know. <laughs> right. Or Ash. Yeah, or, or that too as well. Or yeah. Ash. Yeah. <laughs> so uh, many ways to interpret Yes, and uh, Ella's dad knows them all. Uh, Ella, <laughs> thanks for joining me on the show again. Remind people where they can find you online. Me? Yes, you or your show, <laughs> Generations Geek. Um, you can find me at generationsgeek.com, and you can find us on Twitter, and you can find us on Instagram, um, everywhere. Google us. <laughs> <laughs> Andrew, where can people find you on the interwebs? Uh, you can find Mind's Eye Comics on Facebook or Twitter. 
uh, and my ongoing theater adventures at various uh, places. You can follow me on Twitter at Andrew Troth, or uh, you can follow me on Facebook. Awesome. Are you working on anything uh, in the theater sphere right now? I have a lighting design for Theater in the Round that uh, it's the adaptation of Jane Austen's Emma, oh. uh, which opens February 9. Wow. That is a specific challenge, uh, lighting in the round yeah. compared to lighting from Presenium. Yep. <laughs> <laughs> uh, which you're completely confident about. So <laughs> check that out. Well, I've, uh, I've done it twice in the last year and a half. So Okay, cool. Uh, in the same space. So I, I know the, the place pretty well. Sure. Uh, I still got a lot of work to do on this design. So, <laughs> <laughs> Well, good luck with that. And thanks Thank for you. joining me. Uh, thanks for listening. And we are signing off. This is your Captain Caliban for Andrew and Ella saying live long and prosper. Long live the Empire. <laughs> <laughs>